We've been talking about love, right? Yes. Best love songs of all time. Probably Lionel Richie's Endless Love. Oh, with Diana Ross. You will always be my endless love. Classic, dude. It, it is a classic. Is that the best love Should song? we sing it together and uh, harmonize it? My end. No, we don't want to. Okay. <laughs> Is there another one that's a personal favorite of yours? Oh, geez, man. Do I'm, you and I'm, Jenny have a song? No, not really. I, I mean, we do, but it's definitely not like. Oh, you don't want to share song. it? You don't want to share it? No, Jenny. I mean, I've talked about this here before. She's a big East Coast rap fan. Wait, I'm so sorry. You have an East Coast rap song as your song? I don't think we have a song, but. What yeah. is it? Mo Money, Mo Problems? <laughs> I mean, it might be. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Yeah. Is there another song? What was uh, the first love song you heard when you were like in middle school or high school that you were like, oh, this song, this oh song is goodness. it. You, might have had a, a, you maybe had a crush. You had a special person and you wanted to say, hey, I fancy question. you. That's and so you made him a mixtape or a mix CD and you put this song on it and you were like, hey. Remember that? Remember that R&B group, Shy? Of course. Yeah. If ever I fall in love. Yes. And if I Be it. <laughs> yeah. And then of course, you know, you and I grew up in the era of boys to men. So basically every, every boys to men song. Close your eyes, make a wish, and blow out Yeah. We we some of those we can't <laughs> we can't sing on this podcast. No, you can't. <laughs> oh man. So that's where my mind goes. But I don't think I had one song. What about you? Oh, the no, I, I love Boys to Men. I think that that's a good choice. Also, we're we're so synced on this because I was thinking that I think Endless Love might actually be uh one of the greatest. One, one I mean it was greatest. before our time, but it's a timeless classic. So Well, it's Lionel, it's Diana. I mean, these are icons. <laughs> you know, these are icons yeah. of Motown. These right. are I and and their voices are phenomenal. Yeah, uh, incredible. Uh the other one I had that um I love yeah. That I'm going to get made fun of. Okay. It was the first time I heard it. I remember thinking, what is, it was, it was early on. She was a Canadian singer. Is it a Shania Twain song? It is, no, it is not. Okay. And Celine Dion. It was Celine Dion's the power of love. Oh yeah, of course. And not Huey Lewis's power of love, which we <laughs> talked about last week. Two songs that are power of love. If there's a bracket for power of love, I don't know which one wins. I remember I first heard that song and I thought, who is this woman? Yeah, right. Her voice was like uh, just a power box. Yes. Um, and of course, one of the greatest love songs of all time was Whitney's I Will Always Love You, written by Dolly Parton. Yeah, Dolly Parton song. Yeah. It's but hard. It's it, The Bodyguard. But it's kind of also a, a song about leaving. Yes. Because she breaks up with but Kevin. The, yeah, but Kevin the power Costner. of love that that breaks the the sort of boundaries of are we together or not? She's basically saying doesn't yeah. matter. We're yeah. breaking up, yeah. but I'll always love you <laughs> that, is what she said. That feels saying. like semantics. <laughs> like why couldn't she be with Kevin Costner at the end of the bodyguard? Why, why wouldn't that work? I don't understand why the movie had them. Not, yeah. I don't, I don't not remember. Be together. I haven't, 
I haven't it, it watched makes, it in well, a long time. I have, and I'll tell you, it makes <laughs> no sense. Kevin Costner and Whitney Houston should have ended up together. He saved her life. He did, yeah. They were together. Come on. They had chemistry? Yeah. What's really going on? Did. What's wrong? Yeah. I'm going to watch it again. Yeah. It was a good movie. Anyway. All right. Well, speaking of love, we're here to talk about love. We're in our series about love. So we're here to talk about loving God, what that means. And so let's get right to it. All right, welcome to the Afterword here with Jay Kim. Jay. Hey, man. Man, summer is almost over. It's almost over. Are your kids back in school yet? Not yet, but soon. Like a week away. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. How do they feel about it? I don't know. I don't think it's hit them yet. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see how they do after the first week. Your son's going off to college. Yeah, that's... He's leaving. Yeah, we drive... Baylor Bears! (laughs) Driving uh, Monday, we leave to drive across the country with his car. Wow, fun. Uh, yeah, it should be fun. And also, uh, man, I, our house is going to be really different without them. Yeah. So, um, okay. So this past week we are in the, this fall vision series. We talked about love in general Yes. last week, and we're kind of using first Corinthians, which is kind of a famous passage read at a lot of weddings. Yes. Um, I, I think I first heard it at a wedding. It's read at a lot. Why, why do you think it's read at weddings? I mean, the whole thing's about love, and I think people think weddings are about love. <laughs> they have the misconception that weddings yeah. about love, when in actuality, it's not. But weddings but, are about uh, I don't know the food, yeah. um, expensive. Uh, no, but this is—is is this about wedding? I mean, First Corinthians thirteen is not necessarily just about wedded love. It's kind of about Christian community and God's yeah. It's love, right? it's not really about. I don't know that Paul the writer has human marriage in mind when he's writing. Do you think he would be surprised? Do you think you'd be surprised if he's read at so many weddings? Yeah. I'd be like, that's, that's what you chose. I think in the new heavens and the new earth, he's just like, what? (laughs) (laughs) That is totally not what I meant. (laughs) No, I mean, I think it's perfectly fine. I think it's beautiful to read some of these passages at weddings because they certainly apply to the love that, you know, a husband and wife, should strive to have toward one another. It's just broader than that. Yeah. It's bigger. Um, Okay. So on this one, we talk about love God and the problem with loving God or the term love God is there's a lot of explanation about both those words. Yeah. Those words are pretty pliable and mushy love, both the word love and the word God are kind of mushy. Yes. So there, there's some work that has to be done. I love what you did. You, you kind of went back into Corinth um, and kind of did a little bit of kind of history, archaeology, and and said, listen, Corinth had this concept, and it's not too different than our concept, of religion or the gods or God being somebody that you kind of entered into a contractual relationship with. Yeah. Um, and I, I love that because I think that even Christians sometimes feel like God is, um, if we don't hold up our end of the bargain, then, um, or I'm after God to get something. So I need yeah. to give God this. And in response, he'll give me this. Right. You've seen that probably a lot, or even maybe yeah. even live that. Yeah. Um, those misconceptions. How does that typically work itself out? Um, how, how does somebody know if they're doing that? How, how have you seen people do that kind of misconception? The idea that 
uh, God exists for, for it, it demand something of me and then he'll give me something in return. Yeah. I mean, well, I think it differs. It's different for the Christian and the non-Christian, you know, the, the Christian, I think we sort of subtly fall into that trap of believing that, uh, the relationship we have with God is a, is one of contractual obligation that it's transactional. I don't know that any, you know, Christian would, would, say it that way no but in our it does slip in yeah in in the way we um you know in the way we behave in the way we feel when we feel like we've slipped up uh in in the sort of fear and anxiety sometimes that oh, we the feel god will, god will remove his now that now that i've messed up God's yeah. gonna remove his love right. or something yeah, yeah i think those those ideas slip in there and then for the person that's not a christian you know, all other world religions, I, I think it's it's really interesting. I mean, it's not that other world religions are void of the word love or the idea of love. I mean, love is central in many ways to several world religions, but um, not in the sort of what I would consider rich, robust, responsible way of understanding love. Um, and uh, the way of Jesus, Christianity is the only religion globally and historically um, where the deity dies for humans because of love for them. <laughs> yeah, that's it's unique in that way. Yeah. So in that way, the way of Jesus is really, really set apart from all other religions and religious traditions and movements right. in that it, it, you know, the story embodies love. I mean, li literally embodies love in a way that no other story does. Um, so that's different, you know, that even if someone isn't necessarily an atheist, if they have a different faith tradition, um, love is certainly a part of it, probably, but not not in the way that it is uh, in Christianity, where God goes first. You know, there's that famous story we've talked about at Westgate before, where Abraham falls asleep and God makes this covenantal walk. He's a smoking fire pot, is the phrase. Yeah, smoking and, pot probably shouldn't be used uh, <laughs> without some explanation yeah. of what that is. It's a torch, basically. Yeah, it's a torch, yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, it's, it's emblematic of the His presence. That, yeah. Well, that God goes first, yeah. you know? So, um, and then for the secular person or the, the atheist, you know, love, <laughs> I mean, at the far sort of end of the spectrum of atheism, they would say that love is simply the firing off of oxytocin in, in your brain, you know, and, um, it creates a particular sort of neurological attachment to one another and human beings have just put a four letter word to it called love. That's what they would say, which is very depressing, you know? And, uh, so, and if that goes away, so does the bond. There it is. Yes. Yeah, there it is. yeah exactly. I no longer feel about you the way. So we're going to so have, I don't love you. in the yeah. words of Gwyneth Paltrow, a conscious uncoupling, you know, and then, <laughs> wow. And then that's, that was her in uh, Chris Martin. Yeah, totally. Language. Coldplay. Uh, yep. Conscious uncoupling. And then it's just like, all right, well, see you later. Yeah. Right. Cause this, uh, this feeling you've lost that love and feeling. Oh man. Classic. Yeah. Yeah. So there it is. Um, okay. So, well, man, there's so much in that. Um, I was thinking 
that one way that Christians can accidentally slip into that contract, because the contract thing is really, it's actually really powerful. And I think that um, whether your family of origin came through it, I was thinking about all the ways that we're told you are only, you know, what you give. Even in school, you're you're a good student if you perform. But if you right. don't, if you're a, an athlete, you're you're good if you're really really good and you perform. Right. Like all these things are super conditional, right? And if you lived in that, I think one of the ways that it kind of creeps in, as it crept into me, is I notice my prayer life is a lot about what I want and what I'm doing. Right. Hey God, could you bless this? I really need this. Yeah. Here's what I need from you. It's almost like. Uh, I've got an agenda and I need God to come along and endorse or rubber stamp it or help, help it along, make it, make it go. Right. right. And I, that feels like that's a self-centered thing. Yeah. Um, and then you, you give God this and this and this and this and, and, and then he'll have to make this work. Right. If or, I, or if or the other way, if I don't do X, Y, and Z, then surely God's, blessing his presence his goodness in my life will disappear yeah. you know it's all it can go so that any would be like that'd be, that'd be like a fear kind of anxiety yeah anxiety right, yeah right. and i think a lot of people a lot of christians li- live with yeah all all sorts of versions of all those things it's interesting because you were talking about the contract and i was I, I, whenever i think about contracts i think about cell phone because that, that's where yeah well, cell phone contracts. Itself, it, it's like we'll give you money i'll give you money and in return you'll give me this right yeah um, or I'll give you this and then in return, you'll give me this. And I was thinking actually that, that moment in Genesis that you talked about with, uh, Abraham and God, that is a contract ceremony. It, yes. It's, it's a covenantal but what's, binding. But yeah. what's interesting about it is both the, but that God, when he walks through it is basically saying it's a contract, but it's all on me. Yeah. I'll do both. Yeah, it's like if Verizon was like, "Here's a free iPhone 14, and we'll pay. You it. don't have to pay. And if you break it, we'll pay. Yeah, and it's all on us. We yeah. just, we just want you to know how much we love you. Right, exactly. <laughs> that would be like. Also, this episode brought to you by, by Verizon. Verizon. <laughs> New iPhone 15 coming out this September. Get it from Verizon. <laughs> Trade in now for four hundred to six hundred dollars off. Oh man. Um. Actually, you know, I, I just had to call Verizon for something. My son's phone broke and they're like, thank you for being a loyal customer for 10 years. Yeah. And they like moved me up in the queue because yeah. I'm a special, right. I'm a special, I'm like gold status. Right. Right. Makes me feel real good. I know. <laughs> I know. I got a free phone actually because I'm a, what's considered, I think a legacy customer. Oh yes, yes, yes. I've been with Verizon since back when I had uh like flip phone snake on my phone. Remember when we used to play snake, I was a Verizon customer way back then. So I, that's funny. I'm a lifer. This uh, episode's going, <laughs> it coincides in a weird okay, direction. Yeah. Okay. So let's get back to it. What no is, hate. If you're with AT&T or T-Mobile, <laughs> please don't all are us. welcome here. <laughs> uh, the other thing you said that I thought was really interesting. So I, I really think, I do think it's good to analyze. Hey, listen, contract. Is there some part of my life? Where I feel it's like conditional or there's a contract or yeah. I'm using God or I feel afraid. Um, the other side of it is you you made a really interesting point. You said that um, like you can't try harder to love God and then be filled with guilt. That's not the way that love works. Right. The first thing you have to do is actually receive God's love, meditate on that, really think about it. Mm-hmm. Um, you use the, and it, I thought it was really interesting the way you did that. You said, uh, there's a famous verse that Jesus says, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. Yeah. And you, you used kind of companion passages from the old Testament, uh, in, uh, in Psalm 
Yeah, in the Psalms, uh, delight in the delight in the Lord. Yeah, and so the idea of of your heart delighting in God and then thinking, yeah, uh, with your mind, yeah, who, uh, about who God actually is, yeah. not in, in getting rid of bad ideas about God. Right. That theology. This is not just thinking intellectually. It's it's about theological knowledge about it's who, meditating yeah. who God yeah. actually is. I mean, yeah. really reminding yourself and driving out these bad contract ideas that we have about God. Mm-hmm. Um. And the, those words, delight and think, yeah. and then put into practice was the yeah. other one. That's the loving God with your strength, which yeah. is kind of like um, your muchness, all that you are. It's kind of like your embodied person, yeah. your action, yeah. your dunamis. I think, is that the yeah. word dunamis? Yeah. Um, so the word think, the word delight, and the word put into practice, Yeah. That those, um, those words kind of help us receive God's love as we meditate, delight in him, as we meditate on who he is. Right. And then we think about all the bad ways and the good ways that we, you know, we need to think about God that, you know, what comes into our mind. Um, why is that first? Why is that central? Or how have you seen that transform people? Um, the idea, I guess the idea is that you can't give somebody something that you don't have. Yeah. Is that kind of where you were going? Yeah, I mean, loving God, I think, a, a life of love toward God is not possible until we have, we are we are the children, he is the father, you know? And in any healthy parent-child relationship, we're both dads, the dad goes first. You know, we loved our children before, my kids are really young, now your kids are older, so they have a much more robust, conception of what love is you know they they understand the depth of your love for them better than my children do because my kids are eight and five your kids are you know going to college and um, getting close to going to college you know so but even still even for them they won't really know until maybe someday they have kids. Yeah, you just you don't, know, you and, just don't get it. And then even after kids. you have kids, your depth of love for them it grows every even year for us. Yeah. It just continues to increase and yeah, deepen. Yeah. yeah. So. What that says, though, is ultimately the starting point is that we as fathers loved our children in a way that um, was much deeper, uh, much more thoughtful, much more engaged than they did with us. You know, when they were newborns, they're just like, what is this? You know, what am I seeing? What is and at the same time, they have this sense of um, comfort and safety in knowing that this voice that I've been hearing in the womb Uh, it's a familiar voice, you know, there's immediately a sort of tangible, um, sense of safety and belonging and comfort. And then as you move along, as the parent continues to pour out his or her love on the child, the child's own understanding of love, but then the child's own sort of reactive response of love toward that parent just kind of naturally pours out of them and it grows and it deepens over time. So that's, that's essentially what I mean. I I don't mean like this is the way love works. Yeah. yeah. I I don't mean that we have to, again, that's why the contractual sort of obligation stuff is so dangerous. It's not that we have to delight in God and think about God and, and embody and live out the way of Jesus because that is the way in which we, we earn the love of God that we, we give God love through those things so that we earn the love of God. That's not what I mean. 
I mean, that's the way in which we deepen our understanding of the love God has given us. You delight in it, you think about it, and then you respond to it with your whole being. Yeah. And none of that happens, though, unless you have received the love of God, like a child. You know, I, I ended my teaching, you ended your teaching with the story of, of your son, you know, and needing to this whole new adventure of you know, grief and celebration, separation and a strange sort of closeness now, you know, that he's going to be geographically far away. I, I told the story about uh, my son waking up this past week and um, in the middle of the night, in the middle of the fun. night, always asking fun. for, yeah, but uh, you know, he wanted to drink a water and I gave it to him. He's half asleep and I picked him up. And what is his immediate bodily response is to, cling very tightly around my neck, you know, and someday, you know, just, you don't do that with justice. It's too he's big. Too, he's too heavy <laughs> and he, he might hurt me. He would. Yeah. You would hurt yourself. But symbolically he does that with you in much deeper ways now. Yeah. And it's not because my son was half asleep. He wasn't thinking to himself like, Dad gave me a drink of water. He may not give me another drink of water unless I, I really prove to him I'm grateful <laughs> and I love him. Right. That's not why he put his arm around yeah. me. Yeah. He put his arm around me because we have a track record. He knows I'm his father. And um, when he's thirsty, I'm going to take care of him. And so when I'm carrying him back to bed, his arms immediately go around my neck um, as a natural response to our relationship. Yeah. And that's what loving God looks like, yeah. you know, and we do that by um, sinking more deeply into his love, which is to delight in him, is to think about him, you know, and to, and to live the way that um, Jesus taught us to live. In a weird way, what you're saying is um, it's really important. It's not earn, it's respond. Yeah. And, there's, I think about all the all the verses that say we love God because He, he first loved, first us. loved yeah. us. It's always this sense of God moving first, yes. right? God comes down, God sees, yeah. God hears, God acts. Yeah. And so there's a sense in in which it and earn is really dangerous. Earn, yes. earn, earn is a really dangerous word in love. Yeah. Well, it's it's an impossibility. You if you earn it, it's not love. Right. It's, it's something else. You're, it's, you know? it's demanded. You have to give it to me now because I fulfill the contract. There was this girl named Monica. Monica, if you're listening, I've forgiven you. There was this girl named Monica when I was um, a teenager, and I had this crush on her for like two years. Oh. And she didn't do anything. I, I mean, I was young. I think I was like a freshman in high school. And we were at, in, in uh, we went to church together. And she was a year younger than me. She was eighth grader. I was a freshman. And I had a crush on her for like nine months or something. And she didn't do this intentionally because she's actually a really sweet, wonderful person. I think she just didn't know because I never said anything. But I was very, I tried always to be very sweet to her, to be nice to her. And I just remember, man, the volatility of my emotional state. If she would react and respond and give me a little bit of attention, you know, I'm 13 or 14 in my mind. I was like, I think she loves me, bro. <laughs> you know? And I would tell my friends. So then I've, I found myself in this constant pressure cooker because I believed in this false equation that if I could just keep doing nice things, she would be nice to me, which I equated to her being 
like her, her love, you know, you know what I'm saying? That's not what it was. She was just a sweet, kind person. And I, if I was sweet to her, she's like, Oh yeah, I'm I'm a nice person. I'm going to be, I'm not going to be mean. I'm going to like, Oh, be grateful and give some attention, you know? Yeah. But I equated that. I still remember this. I equated that to love. I really was like, I thought I was in love with her and I thought her niceness toward me, if I could conjure it up through particular behaviors, that was then her love toward me. And the reality was it was all, the whole thing was just selfish. You know, like I, I wasn't in love with her. Like I was 13. I just had a crush, you know, but I, and uh, we grow out of that when it comes to, but that's an immature vision of love. And that's like really important because it's like, I think we still have that with God sometimes, you know, not in a romantic way, obviously, but we, we sort of unintentionally create this rhythm and this pressure cooker in our lives. Like if I just, Oh man, I went to church a lot or I'm serving a lot. Those things are important, but they're important as a sort of joyous response to the, to the life you have with God, not as a way of conjuring up more and more of his love. You cannot do anything that will, (laughs) that will make God love you more because he already loves you more than you could possibly imagine, you know? Um, and I think that's important. That's those are some of the ways in which we get into this contractual um, sort of yeah we, weird sort of thing. So we get into. one last thing, and that's the definition of love. Uh, last week, Steve, um, or I guess it would be the first week, Steve had this definition of love, yeah. uh, which I found very profound, and and you hinted at it too. Um, which yeah, it's is, a definition we've used before. Yeah, uh, last year and and during and the I, series. And I found it, I find it really, really helpful. Yeah, uh, and it's it's something like, um, and the and the language isn't particularly honed, but it's uh, love is two two components. Yeah, the first is that you will and work for connection with that person. Yeah, um, you never let barriers come up. You you work for you fight for connection with them. Yeah, no matter what. Yeah, and the second you will and work for their good. Right. And their good can be, uh, that might be an amorphous term, but you know, th- that, that that's what you do. You work for their good and you work and you fight for connection. Yeah. And as I thought about it, that definition is, is not only beautiful, but it also helps us do kind of a little bit of a diagnostic with us and God. Yeah. Like uh, we can absolutely connect with God. We yes. can prioritize him. We can, yes. we can, his, yeah, delight in him. Yeah. Think about him. Yeah. Right. That's what there, that is. There's yeah. a form of, of which we can connect with God. Right. Yep. Um, and then there's another weird, and this might sound weird, but we can actually bring about God's good. Mm-hmm. And that might seem weird because he's God and he's got everything. It's like, right. how can I possibly give LeBron James a gift? You know? <laughs> but the idea is that God is actually delighted when we seek him. Right. When we conform to the likeness of his son, which is our yeah. destiny. That's clear in the scriptures. It's super that it brings clear. God yeah. Yeah, incredible delight and joy and satisfaction when we, when we delight in him when we fix our, our lives on him and, and embody the way of his son. Even think about the times when this is astonishing. Like when a person turns and says the way I've been living is wrong yeah, and they come back to God, J- Jesus says there is a celebration That's right. in heaven yeah, and I, yeah, there's rejoicing. Like this is a big deal. And even the story of the prodigal son, when the son comes home, yeah, the father runs. The father runs yeah. and it rejoices, right? Yes. So there's a sense in which even if we mess up, if we say, "God, I know I'm on the wrong path. Can I come back home? Can you help me out with this?" Yeah, there is rejoicing, in, in, even in that, right? Yep. So yeah. it doesn't matter if we keep it or not. It's this. There's ways that we can actually bring God joy, which yeah. is 
weird to think about. I think some people don't actually believe that 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 God's only a, it's just a weird concept, but yeah. it's it's absolutely all through scripture. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it to me it's interesting, you know, the prodigal prodigal son story is a great example of this. Not once in the scriptures do we read that when we return to him or when we turn to him for the first time or when we, you know, live the way of his son Jesus, not once does it tell us that God is relieved. It always tells us he rejoices, which is several notches beyond relief. And in a weird way, relief is uh, a, a little, I'm not saying it's it's self-centered necessarily. I mean, I understand like I, I've, my kids have been sick and then the fever breaks and I'm so relieved. But when I really think about it, I'm not just relieved. I, I like, I rejoice. The deeper your love for someone, when um, good comes about, it's beyond just like, whew, we dodged a bullet. It's like, holy smokes, you know, like, and, um, to me, you're right. There's, it's very tricky when we talk about willing the good, it's a, it's an Aquinas quote, you know, love is to will the good of the other, you know, and to work, work toward their good. Yeah. It's tricky to map that onto God, because like you said, what could I possibly do that could make God's life better? <laughs> but the answer to that question is. Give him yourself. Yeah, relationship. You know, yeah. that is the one thing God desires that of his own volition, out of choice, he chooses not to force upon his people. It is the one thing he doesn't have, um, not because he can't have it. He could just robotically, mechanically make all people his people. But then, you know, scripture tells us he's love and love has, it demands choice, you know, free will. If it's forced, then it's something other than love. So we've all seen misery. We know what forced love is. Oh, the movie. Remember that? Dude, I haven't seen that in years. She like makes him stay in her house and and, breaks his legs so that he can't leave. Holy smokes. It's really dark. Yeah. I don't know how we went there. I'm sorry uh, that I did anyway. Or gone girl. You ever seen gone girl? Holy Uh, smokes read the book yeah that's rough brutal anyways um don't watch don't watch those movies not Not love that's not love we kind of can't recommend those can (laughs) yeah not Not love love. yeah so that is the one thing we can give him yeah is ourselves and that is to will his good it brings him so much joy to give him ourselves and yet it starts with i love this because that's our response but what's it start with? If the definition of love is to seek connection and to work for the good, it's worth meditating on just how far Jesus went and God has gone to connect with the human race yes. and with us personally. Yeah, to will our good. And and then to think how much he has worked for our good, both, right. both as humans yeah. and us individually. Yeah. If you spend time thinking about that, if you really map out, all the ways that God, think about all the ways that God had to work to get through to you, Jay Kim. Right. All the people, all the coincidences, all the, I mean, he has been haunting and hunting you like a, like a, like a, a pack dog, you yeah. know, uh, for your entire life. Yeah. Every minute of your life from your right. mom's before you were even born, your mom's story all the right. way through. Yeah. And, and look at all the ways he's been working for your benefit not just as a human, 
yes, as a human, what God's done in the human story. Yeah. But also just in your particular story, you start thinking about that. All of a sudden, um, that begins to transform your heart in response because that's what love does. Yeah. So, and I think the next two weeks of teaching where we, we begin to look, you know, these first two weeks have been very much not inward necessarily, but very personal. Yeah. Um, but it's only the starting point because then love can, you know, air quotes, love can sort of turn into something less than, you know, something very self-centered and, but that's why loving one another, you know, the family of God and loving our neighbors, you know, working and willing the good of the world, which is language we use a lot here, um, the good of all. That's why it matters so much. That is all, those are also critically important ways in which we love God. They're all connected. They're not, you know, we talk about the three loves, but there are three directions that one, the one singular love, the life one of animating love. idea. Yeah. You know, I mean, the scriptures tell us, right. John tells us like, you cannot love God and hate your brother, right? It's not possible. So how can the love of God be in you? He asked yeah. rhetorically. And the answer is it's not. Yeah. Essentially using the language we've been using, if you have received the love of God, it is literally not possible for you not to then have that love overflow from you to others. You know, so that's why the next couple of weeks are going to be really important as well. As we think about willing God's good means loving one another and loving our world in tangible ways. Yeah. Well, thanks for stopping by, man. And uh, again, this is just central stuff that we always talk about. And there's we could talk for 100 years about this topic. So, yeah, good stuff. Thanks for those definitions of the contract versus the relationship uh, the idea of not trying harder, but rather receiving and then letting that overflow. Yeah. That's really helpful. And then meditate. And then the definition of love, both on how we can respond, but then first, how God's already sought our connection, sought connection with us, and then worked for our good. That really yeah. causes us to, in your words, overflow. Yeah. So thanks for being here, and yeah. we'll see you soon. Thank you. Hey, just want to say thanks to Jake Kim for stopping by. Next week, we're going to continue on in our sermon series on the three loves by talking about love one another. Lisa Averill and David Kim will be here in the studio. So join us for that and we'll see you next week.